illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heinrich Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heinrich Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heinrich Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beej. How you doing, Beej? You know, Billy, I had kind of a crappy day today. I'm sorry. What happened? Well, I go to work. And I, I do a few things and I sit down in my chair mm-hmm. and some didn't feel right in the chair, right? Somebody, somebody switch your chair. No, they didn't switch my chair. That was somebody else asked too. No, it just didn't feel right. Like something like I sat on something, right? Okay. Like, that's weird. And so then I looked down at my chair. There's nothing on the chair. Was it the stick in your butt? It could have been, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> not this time. So, so then I go back and I, I sit down again and something's not feeling right. Right. Something on my butt isn't feeling right. And so all of a sudden I kind of reach around, grab my butt a little bit. And then I realize my pants are split like eight inches, like from, from really? the top of, yes, uh, on the, on the pocket line, from the top of the pocket to the bottom of the pocket, all the way down. Thank God I don't wear tidy whities and I was wearing some blue underwear today. So it kind of blended in a little bit, but it was a pretty large gaping hole. Jeez. And I'm like, God damn it. And so anyway. I'm like, well, do I really want to make the 30 mile drive home just so I can change pants? I'm like, screw this crap. I drove over to Gap, bought a pair of jeans, and went back to work. There you go. So, yeah, that's what I do. So, right and I'm an odd size, I found out from the people at the Gap. Really? So, yeah. But so, they, but they had your size. Ah, uh, yeah, not in a style I liked, but again, it was like 25 bucks, and you look at how much fuel it was going to cost me to drive all the way home and all the way back in the time. It's like I'll just pay the 25 bucks not to embarrass myself by having my ass hang out. Well, there you go. Yeah, there it is. So other than that, survive the day. Oh, good. 
Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion for the Oregon State Beavers with others, and just generally talk beaver sports, football, tailgating, and have some, a little bit of fun every week. I want to remind everyone you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher Radio app. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgaterGmail.com, at HeinrichTailgater on Twitter, and also check out HeinrichTailgater on Facebook. Already, Beach, ready to talk some beaver sports news of the week? Yes. Did we have good news? Well, we'll start out with women's volleyball. Well, I normally love women's volleyball, but it's been a rough year. So how, how do we do? Well, Beads, the Oregon State volleyball team made a couple of late rallies in the first and second sets, but couldn't overcome Cal Thursday night falling in three sets. Then playing on back-to-back nights in the Bay Area, Oregon State fell to number two Stanford at Maples Pavilion Friday evening. That sucks. Yep, the Bees are now 11-17 and 17 overall. 1-15 in the Pac-12, and they return to Corvallis for three of its final four matches. Uh, this week, the Beavs host Utah on Friday at 7 on the Pac-12 Network, and then they have Colorado at Gill on Sunday at 11 a.m. We are pretty much the bitch of the Pac-12, aren't we? This year, yes. They've had some injuries that's, that's really hurt them this year. So That sucks. Yeah. All right, Beej, uh, we have a little bit of women's soccer news. How are how how is the ladies how are the ladies out there doing? Well, you know they they ended their season last week, but um, on Monday, Oregon State University Vice President and Director of Athletics Scott Barnes announced that there will be a change in leadership of the Beavers women's soccer team for the 2019 season, as head coach Linus Road will not be retained. Now, Road completed his 11th season as Beavers head women's coach last week after spending eight years holding positions as the program's associate and assistant coach. He compiled an overall record of 88, 110, and 24 as a head coach and took the program to three NCAA tournaments early in his tenure. Now, OSU will embark on a national search for the fifth head coach of the program since the inception of uh, women's soccer at OSU in 1988. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised. Well, I guess soccer didn't really become popular until good old Pele back in the what late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, it was the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. And then figure those kids who grew up with Pele, which that was a big failure anyway, <laughs> wouldn't really start playing soccer until the eighties. And so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Cause we were probably one of the first generations to play soccer, weren't we? Probably. Yeah. I mean, as, as you know, we're really started to expand. Yeah. Huh, interesting. So, so um, what? I mean, I'm assuming this was expected because of his bad showing. What caused him to go from good to bad? I mean, it sounds like <laughs> he was, you made the comments he was good earlier in his tenure, just not adjusted well, well to changes in sport. Well, it's it's hard to recruit and compete in the Pac-12, and so I think they're just looking for a fresh set of eyes. Gotcha. <clears throat> All right, Beach. Let's look at a little bit of men's soccer. How are the now? Are the men the men are in the tournament, correct? Well, the number twenty-two uh, ranked Oregon State men's soccer team dropped its regular season finale Friday evening as the Beefs fell to number twenty-five Washington two to nothing in Seattle. Now, Beach, if they would have won that game, they would have won the Pac-12 outright. Son of a bitch. Yeah, but the Beavers finished the regular season with a record of ten five and three, the team's best win total since twenty fourteen. Oregon State also went 6-3-1 in Pac-12 to finish the year second in the conference, recorded its highest Pac-12, Pac-12, Pac-12-10 win total since 2003. Wow. 
but that defeat on Friday snapped Oregon State's six-match unbeaten streak, the program's longest such streak in conference play since 2003. Now, for the fourth time in program history, the Oregon State men's soccer team has punched a ticket to the NCAA tournament, the NCAA selection committee announced Monday. The Beavs will face SMU at Lorenz Field Thursday at 6 p.m. The winner of that game will advance to face St. Mary's on Sunday. Alrighty. So they're playing Southern Methodist on Thursday. Cool. Yeah. If we were in town, it'd be kind of cool to go to. Hmm. But we're going to be in sunny California, and that'll be nice. We will be in sunny California for a second weekend in a row. All right, Beach, we got a little bit of wrestling news. Ooh. <clears throat> How is, how's wrestling starting up so far this year, Billy? Well, Beach, the Oregon State wrestling team opened its competitive season on Sunday at the Mike Clock Open in dominant fashion with rep- representatives in the finals at every weight class. Hmm. So, so the Beavs took home eight first-place finishes and added four second-place finishes to that total. Oregon State totaled 36 pins and 16 technical falls on the day. So... Uh, all in all, senior uh, number three ranked 125-pound All-American Ronnie Bresser, redshirt sophomore 133-pounder Devin Turner, senior 149-pounder Josh Reyes, 157-pounder Hunter Willits, 174-pounder Colt Doyle, 184-pounder Miles Terry, and J.J. Dixon at 197 pounds, and Jamarcus Grant at heavyweight all finished number one. Cool. Yeah, so that's a, that's a, that's a great meet. That's I, the most you know, I've ever just, seen them dominate. I just keep thinking. I, I I just keep thinking. Oh crap! If Oregon State does really really well in wrestling, then Oregon will have to start a team because you know that's to, what they did when we did baseball. Have to bring it back. Yeah, yeah, we're bringing it back because our people wanted it, yeah. and because Oregon State won a national championship, yeah. and we just can't. Them you not you can tell play. how much their their people want baseball down there with their. Fans dressed up as empty seats at all their baseball games. Do they not fill, fill it up very well? Not at all. Their their attendance is horrible. But I thought they were doing well like the last couple of years. I mean, this no, last, last year, couple of years they've done crappy. About three or four years ago, they had a run where they made it to the Super Regionals. And were okay, one, it's been one, that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and how did they fill up the, the stands then? Uh, More than they do now. Now there's nobody there. Is their stadium bigger than Oregon State's? Um, I believe so. Let me look here. Um, PK Park. It has... Named for Pat Kilkenny and Phil Knight, correct? Yeah, so PK Park has a capacity... Oh, maybe not. It has a capacity of 4,000. And... Cost is what? Uh, stadium... The stadium has a capacity of 3315. So that's a little bit bigger. But see, okay. that's also where the, uh, the Eugene Emeralds pay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if, uh, back to wrestling. The Beavers travel east to participate in the Navy Classic in Annapolis, Maryland, this Saturday, November 17th. Mm. So there you go. All right. All right, Beach, moving on to some of the winter sports that are starting up. Women's basketball. I'm always a fan of women's basketball. Um, the number eight Oregon State women's basketball team opened the 2018-19 season with a victory, 
taking down Cal Poly 79-54 Friday evening at Gill Coliseum. Suck it, bitches. There you go. Redshirt sophomore Destiny Slocum tallied 15 points and 8 assists in her Oregon State debut. Junior Michaela Pivik finished with 15 points on 7-for-13 shooting to go with 9 rebounds as she narrowly missed a double-double. Now, as a team, Oregon State shot 49.2% from the floor and outscored Cal Poly 23, or excuse me, 12 to 3 on fast break points. Now the Beavs will be back at home Wednesday for its Beavers Beyond the Classroom game as Arkansas Pine Bluff visits Gill Coliseum for an 11 a.m. tip. Now Beach, the Beavers Beyond the Classroom game is where they bring in all the local area uh, uh, elementary school students to watch to watch a basketball game. To watch a women's basketball game, yeah. Right. So they fill it up, and it's all rowdy, and the, the kids really love it. And I think the uh, the team likes playing for all the kids too. Gotcha. They're they're. I bet you those kids are are loud. Oh, they I are. Bet you they, they are, they, and, they, and they make they you know make... the teachers have them make signs, and you know for some of these kids, it's the first time they ever get on campus, and so I I think a little bit of it, it's just so they can realize, look, you know, you know, if you want to, you can go to college. It's right there. It's it's available to everybody mm-hmm. if you want to go. Yeah. So. All right, Beach, on to men's basketball. And how's, how's Tinkle? Well, Trace Tinkle had, uh, had 19 points and 8 rebounds and 7 assists, and Oregon State won their season opener 72-59 to over UC Riverside last Tuesday night at Gill. Then on Saturday afternoon at Gill, Trace Tinkle had 28 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists as Oregon State defeated Wyoming 83-64. to now, Dingle, uh, excuse me, Tinkle scored in double figures for the 37th straight game, tying him for fourth all-time for the longest streak of double-figure scoring in school history with Freddie Boyd. He now trails Mel Counts, Gary Payton, and Scott Haskin. Now, Alfred Hollins added 16 points and tied a career high with eight rebounds, and Stephen Thompson Jr. had 16 points for the Beavs in that game. The Beavs will next face Old Dominion at 10 a.m. on Friday in the opening round of the 2018 U.S. Virgin Islands Paradise Jam at the University of Virgin Islands Sports and Fitness Center. I hope they don't have to put all that on a sign. That's a lot, isn't it? (laughs) It's a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. Did did somebody teach them about acronyms? Yeah, I know. Well, we'd still have to say it the first time before we could get to the acronym. I suppose. Oh, hey, Beach! Hey, Billy! Yeah! Holy crap! Yeah! Hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh, that was a Billy! Good, that was a good tear. I'm getting good at this. Billy! Yes, this Beach! Just, this just in. Enrollment at the U of O continues its decline. According to Oregon's Higher Education Coordinating Commission, all universities in Oregon had lower enrollment this year, with the exception of Oregon State University, whose attendance grew, based strongly on its e-campus and its OSU Cascades campus. Other than that, the University of Oregon in Eugene continues to lose attendance. So, here's some real facts uh, regarding U of O versus OSU from U.S. News and World Report regarding their rankings. Oh, really? Yes. This will be interesting. So, yes. Yeah, so this, this, I'm, I'm not making this up. This is just good stuff here. Um, OSU is ranked number 140 uh, by uh, National Universities Magazine. U of O is ranked 102. 
so a little bit of a gain there. In terms of undergrad attendance, OSU is at 25,838. U of O is at 19,340. OSU sits on 422 acres, where U of O sits on 295 acres. Uh, here's an interesting one. In-state tuition for OSU is 11,166. U of O, 11,898. Out-of-state tuition, 30,141 at the Oregon State, 35,478 at the U of O. So they wow. were the, the uh, people coming in. Uh, OSU was founded in 1868 as the uh, one of the oldest uh, universities in the state. I think Willamette I think Willamette's older. older, yeah. Yeah. And U of O, uh, well, it started in 1876, a few years later. Uh, and endowments, this is also just interesting. Back endowments, OSU has a, about $624.5 million in endowments, uh, where the U of O has $828 million in endowments. Really? Yep. Now, here's the really good one. So, again, we've already established U of O, according to this, according to national universities, is, is higher ranked. It's also more expensive, right? Uh-huh. Has smaller attendance or smaller smaller class size and smaller campus. And if you the median starting salary for an OSU graduate, oh, this is going to be a good one. Is fifty three thousand bucks a year. The median starting salary for a University of Oregon graduate is forty eight thousand three hundred dollars a year. So you spend more to get less. There you go. Yeah. This has been your update from Eugene. There you go. Nice. That's a good one, Beach. That one was actually yeah, informative. Good. Yeah. Hey, you know, I was also going to tell you, it was really kind of funny on a, on a side note here regarding the enrollment. I, I just, I get so tired of, of people putting their own, I mean, we put, I guess I put my own spin on crap, mm-hmm. but so, so yes, uh, college has declined around the board other than Oregon state. And they said mostly Oregon state has gained because of the, the uh, e-campus, e-campus and yeah. because that cascade and mainly the e-campus it's up like 7% yeah. and the cascade campus is up like 4%. Yeah. But so, and what the, what the major universities are saying is, well, these people are just choosing community colleges instead of universities. Uh, but then the community colleges come out and said, yeah, our numbers are declining too. No, you know what it so, is. It's because everybody's getting jobs. Yeah, says Portland Community College, which shrank by more than 4%. Yeah. But this is where it got funny, though. Okay, because I, I don't know if we talked – did we talk last week about PSU and Lars Larson? I don't know if we talked about it, but Lars Larson had a big issue on uh, guns on, on campus at PSU, right? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And so he was working with the, the college Republicans there. And anyway, so this this is how crappy PSU is, okay? So PSU comes out and says that uh, – Okay, university officials pointed out that even if they're seeing more Oregonians choose to start their higher education careers at community colleges, they're attracting more of them later on. Inbound transfers are up at both OSU and Portland State Universities, including the nearly 12% increase at PSU. More than one-third of those transfer students are part of PSU's Transfers Finish Free program, aimed at helping eligible students finish free degrees at minimal cost. So in other words, hey, transfer to us, and we're not going to charge you hardly crap to come to our school. And surprisingly, that's going up. You think? Really? Yeah. So, so, and then, but then they're like, PSU officials say that their international applications 
are dropping. Okay. They're, they're down by uh, 8%. And they're like, it's Trump's travel ban. The president's immigration policies are some of the factors that add to an already difficult situation that PSU and universities nationwide are experiencing in recruiting these students, right? So mm-hmm. they're blaming the fact that they can't get these Muslim students to come, right? But then you've got Oregon State Vice President Steve Clark comes out and says the travel ban did not directly affect its 4% drop in international students. Clark said countries that weren't affected by the ban, China, Indonesia, and Saudi Arabia, were mostly responsible for the decline. Rather than travel ban countries like Iran and Libya, which still sent a small but stable number of students. So, again, that's probably true for PSU, too, but it doesn't hold up the narrative that they want to tell the populace. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're going to say, oh, we're we're getting less international students because of Trump's travel ban. No, you're getting less travel students because evidently people from China, Indonesia and Saudi Arabia don't want to come to the U.S. anymore to get a crappy education. So there you go. I thought that was interesting. I, I, I felt I felt, you know, since it was kind of college based, share it here. There you I, go. I appreciate the guy that at least uh, Steve Clark <clears throat> with Oregon State can say the truth instead of the propaganda that he should be saying. Yeah. The president should put yeah. out there. So anyway, there you go. All right, Beach. Well, you ready to go under for the review for week number 11 in the Pac-12? After further review, the runner did cross the line. The Touchdown. Yeah, you know, funny thing was, I was down uh, at Stanford all weekend, or, or you know, all of us uh, were, but yeah, yeah, the Bay Area, and so I really don't know a whole lot of the outcomes other than it was a half of a perfect week for us. Yes, true. Well, Beach, all the games were on Saturday, so uh, leading into last week, do you remember where everybody sat? Oh, I don't have that written down, Billy, okay. but I knew you were in the lead because well, you're a son of a bitch. Kyle was in third place at 39 out of 72. I hate you, Kyle. You were in second place at 44 out of 72. I was in first place at 45 out of 72. So first up, Beach, we had Arizona State, at, or excuse me, UCLA at Arizona State. We all took the Sun Devils because Chip Kelly's a no-good cheating son of a bitch. Did Kyle take Arizona State? I show, I don't know because I have Kyle with a question mark because yeah. I don't know if Kyle, yeah, he, he what never, was Kyle's he never, call? He never told me what he took, and he never got back to me. So what do we do for Kyle? I think we're going to give him a blank. Is that really? I don't know. I, well, we're, you know what? I mean, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to give it to him because I don't think he would have taken Chip Kelly. But okay. Kyle, let us know in your in your email next week or text me and let me know what you really would have done. But we're going to take you at your word at it, mainly because we feel sorry for you because you're tra- you're lagging behind. So. Yeah, and you're kind of pathetic. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, Arizona State quarterback Manny Wilkins, in his final home game, ran for two touchdowns and threw for another, and the Sun Devils held off UCLA 31-28. Now running back Eno Benjamin carried it a career-high 34 times for 182 yards and a score for the Sun Devils, who won their third straight, all over Pac-12 South foes, and became bowl eligible under first-year coach Herm Edwards. Now for UCLA, Wilton Spite, starting over freshman Dorian Thompson-Robinson at quarterback for the Bruins, completed 26 of 35 um, for, and for two touchdowns, both to tight end Caleb Wilson, who had 11 catches for 164 yards. All right. All right, sound good? Well, I'm just glad the son of a bitch didn't win. Who, uh, Chip Kelly? Chip Kelly. Yeah, I, I, I give it to you there. I give it to you there. So are we, are we still tied with him in the Pac-12? Uh, in the standings? Yes. 
Um, well, we'll we'll get to that after we're done looking at the week. Okay. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, pull it up there. There we go. Um, yeah. So we each got a win there. Kyle got the conditional win. Um, okay. Up next, Washington. You know, this, he'll he'll be the he'll be like the Reggie Bush of the group. We're gonna have to put an asterisk if he ends up winning this. Yeah, if he ends up winning this, yeah. we you and I collapse. Um, <laughs> up next is Washington State at Colorado. We all, as a group, picked Washington State on this one because Colorado's kind of probably going to do a nosedive. Well, uh, Washington State quarterback Gardner Minshew the second had all day to pick his targets, and he overcame a slow start and three fourth down failures to lead the Cougars past Colorado 31-7 to on Saturday. Now, the Cougars won their sixth straight, but it wasn't easy as, as expected against the Buffaloes, who lost their fifth straight despite the return of star receiver LaVisca Chenault Jr. Now, Washington said led, led by three at the half and seven heading into the fourth quarter. They did dominate the clock, however, winning the time of possession by nearly 24 minutes and holding the Buffaloes to an average drive of just a minute and 38 seconds. Wow. Now, Minshew, who was hardly pressured all afternoon as Colorado failed to register a single sack for the first time all season, finished 35 of 58 for 335 yards and two TDs. Colorado quarterback Steven Montez threw for just 67 yards in the first half and finished 20 of 35 for 199 yards and no touchdowns. Did we affect Colorado this bad? I, I don't know. I mean, because it, that that's just a complete collapse. I mean, you know, against us, they collapsed, but it was a tight game. This sounds like it was a con- complete collapse uh, as far as their as far as their team goes. It, it like they're in a straight nosedive. Yeah. And I think uh, McIntyre, their head coach, gets fired at the end of the season. Well, you know, it's it's funny because after when we you and I talked about after the Beaver went, win, mm-hmm. the fact that um, that one guy was talking about how they were even questioning if they were going to be able to get a bowl game at this point here. They thought they had it wrapped up and after losing to a team that should lose like Oregon state, they, uh, they now seem to just be failing. Yeah, I agree. So, so uh, how many, how long has uh, McIntyre been there? Oh, let's see. I want to say this is his fifth or sixth season. Let me look it up here. So, so he has been the head coach at Colorado since 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see what his, his career is. Let's see. Um, so this is his sixth year. So his first year, they went four and eight. They went two and ten in 2014, four and nine in 2015, 2016. They went. Damn it! Let's see. Twenty sixteen, they went uh, ten and four. I was going to say, I thought they turned the corner pretty yep. heavy one year. Yep, they went. So they went four and eight, two and ten, four and nine, ten and four. Uh, they were they played in the conference championship game, uh, but lost, and then ended up losing the Alamo Bowl. Last year, they ended up five and seven, and right and the bottom of the uh, so. In the sixth in the south, and right now they're five and five, and trailing the south again. So their their wow. their finishes in the south have been sixth, 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 first, sixth, and looks like being sixth again. Wow. So I I think they're gonna I think he's gonna be fired at the end of the season. That's crazy. Yeah. So. 
Just just my guess. All right, so we all got the win there, Beach. Um, up next, Utah, or excuse me, Oregon at Utah. And we, again, picked as a group uh, for Utah to, uh, to take out the Ducks. So how'd they do, Billy? Well, in his first start, Utah freshman quarterback Jason, Jason Shelley ran for two touchdowns, and Armand Shine had a 174 yards rushing to power Utah past Oregon 32-25 to on Saturday. Now, the, two, the, the Utes lost Tyler Huntley, their starting quarterback, and running back Zach Moss, who had already rushed for 1,092 yards this season, to injury within a few days of each other. Now, Shelley utilized quick passes, a strong running game, and some misdirection in the offense to complete 18 of 31 for 262 yards with no interceptions. The Utah defense, which dominated in the first quarter and then was on its collective heels when Justin Herbert started finding receivers all over the field, stopped the Ducks on the ensuing possession when Jalen Johnson broke up a fourth down pass. Now, Herbert went 20 for 33 for 280 yards, but was sacked four times and simply ran out of time. Dylan Mitchell caught eight passes for 169 yards and two touchdowns, including multiple acrobatic grabs. And I say they ran out of time. They they were kind of moving the ball, um, mm-hmm. trying to have a shot at possibly winning the game, but he just he, he didn't have enough time. Gotcha. He completed a pass and wasn't able to uh, to, uh, to kill the clock to save him for one final heave down the end zone. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so we all got the wins there. Yeah, so Utah lost Tyler Huntley last week. Um to a broken collarbone. So he's probably effectively done for the season. And then they lost their starting running back, Zach Moss, when his knee locked up and he was getting out of, or getting into bed and he totally messed it up. And they think he's done for the season too. Wow. Not even during a play. No, getting into bed. Wow. All right, beach. Um, so we all got the win there. So who did makes you wonder how Utah is going to handle the rest of the season? Yeah. Well, they won that game, so we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about how the rest of the season um, ends up here for some of these teams. All right, Beach, um, up next, Cal at USC. Now, this one's kind of interesting. You and Kyle thought uh, Cal would take out USC. I'm, I was thinking USC was going to be solid at home. How'd yep. this one turn out? Because honestly, I don't know. Cal quarterback Chase Garbers threw a touchdown pass and ran for another score, and Cal snapped its 14-game losing streak against USC with a 15-14 victory Saturday night. Vic Wharton III made his first TD catch of the year as the Golden Bears rallied from a 14-point halftime deficit and secured bowl eligibility for just the second time in seven seasons, with their first win at the Coliseum in 18 years. Now, Cal did all of its scoring in an eight-minute span of the third quarter, starting with a safety when a shotgun snap um, went 22 yards backward into the end zone. Garbers then threw a 29-yard TD pass on the ensuing offensive drive, and he rushed for another score six and a half minutes later after Trayvon Beck's interception. Now for USC, JT Daniels passed for 180 yards and threw two TD passes to Tyler Vaughns, but the Trojans were shut out in the second half of their third loss in four games. Now USC gained just 40 yards after halftime against Cal's sturdy defense while losing to the Coliseum for the second straight game after a 19-game home win streak through the f- entire tenure of cl- Coach Clay Helton. Now, Beach, when the Beavs are getting ready to play Cal, you know, I was saying Cal's got a good defense. Mm-hmm. And it, they've shown they have a very good defense. Now, they they, yeah. they beat Washington basically with defense, and here they beat USC's basically with defense. 
Yeah, well, I mean, if they're only scoring, what what'd you say, 14 15, to 15? Yeah, yeah, and they and they beat uh, they beat Washington without scoring an offensive touchdown. So which is just insane. Yeah. So, anyways, I just I found that uh, pretty impressive. Absolutely. Anyways, so uh, Kyle and I got the win there. Beach, you, however, did not. I thought I owned that one. Here, I thought I was going to be tying up the tying it up, making it interesting. Stay right. faltering. So, uh, last game of the week, Beach, Oregon State at Stanford. This was, yeah, well, I, I, yeah. Stanford tight end Colby Parkinson caught all four of KJ Costello's touchdown passes, and Stanford beat Oregon State 48 to 17 Saturday night to become bowl eligible. Now, Stanford running back Bryce Love scored a TD and rushed for 90 yards, his most since gaining 136 against Southern Cal on September 8th. Cameron Scarlett also scored for the Cardinal with a career-long run of 41 yards. Dorian Maddox scored on a one-yard run his first career touchdown. Now, for Oregon State, Jake Luton passed for 205 yards and touchdowns of 63 yards to Trevon Bradford and 7 yards to Noah Togiai. Jamar Jefferson rushed for 109 yards for Oregon State. Um... And uh, Bradford finished with five receptions for 120 yards. Now, um, Beach, just a little bit better news. Oregon State freshman Jamar Jefferson entered the game ranked sixth in the country in rushing and continues to move up the Beavers' all-time single-season rushing list. He recorded his sixth career 100-yard rushing game, second only to Jaquiz Rogers um, with seven, and that's in one season, among Oregon State freshmen. Now, Jefferson is the only freshman in the country with more than 800 yards. He's going to be good next year. I mean, he's already looked – he looked good in yesterday in uh, Saturday's game. Yeah, I wish they would have run um, him a little bit more, but I, I think maybe they're trying to hold him back a little bit and not, not beat the hell out of him. So right now he's mm-hmm. third in the Pac-12 in rushing. Um, Eno Benjamin from Arizona State uh, is in first place at 1,295 yards. J.J. Taylor from Arizona – is in second place in the pack at 12:21, and then Jamar Jefferson's at 12:01. So if he has two good games to finish out the season, he could win the uh, the rushing title. But he's also fifth in the nation. That's impressive as hell. Yeah. I mean, especially considering our our lack of uh, our lack of wins this year. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're we're dominating in any any stretch and. And well, hell, I think even what was it two weeks ago we struggled to get, get any positive ground yards, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see how he does against Washington and Oregon coming up. So, but anyways, Beach, um, we were at the game. What what did you think of the game? I thought the garlic fries were amazing. The garlic fries were pretty damn good. I do like the garlic fries at Stanford Stadium. But for the game itself, you know, it really showed just how undermanned we are on defense. I mean, mm-hmm. they just kept throwing it to their big tight end, um, and our short DBs couldn't do anything to stop it. We've always seemed to have short DBs, haven't we? Well, most teams do. Um, DBs tend to be a little bit shorter. But, I mean, this – it, it, it reminds me of the bully on the playground who just kind of pushes the short kid in the ground and he holds yeah. the ball up in the air. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's kind yeah. of what it was, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, we saw it how many times where it was just, you know, it looked like they were just boxing out players in basketball. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know? yeah. So um, throw it, throw it, throw it high, box them out. You're. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, I I like the way the beeves fought. Um, we got to quit shooting ourselves on first down. 
There's too many times when the bees are starting at, you know, first and long, where it just it's just a drive killer. It just it just kills any kind of momentum you get going. Um, I thought uh, the attendance at Stanford Stadium was pathetic. Absolutely, for a team that is doing as well as Stanford. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And, was- and especially, you know, you got not, not only is the the team do well, the 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 venue is fantastic, and you have such a solid population base around that school. Oh yeah, there's no students you know? there. No, and the this gets me. You know, here, 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 Oregon State. I mean, we struggle to fill a stadium, but we're not having a very good season. We're also an hour and a half from a major metropolitan area. Yeah, and and, and Oregon State has better attendance than Stanford does. Yeah. Um, uh, now it was a little bit smoky down there because of the fires, but I didn't think it was horrible. No, remind me of what we were dealing with about a year ago. I mean, I remember when we were driving yesterday, <laughs> saw the sunshine through the smoke, and it had a beautiful red hue, which was just what what we were dealing with about a year ago when we had the gorge fires and stuff. Yeah, but all in all, I had a good time down in the Bay Area. Yeah, I wish we went the game to uh, be better. Yeah, we also went and hit up Discovery Kingdom. Yeah, the Six Flags uh, six... Park there in Vallejo. Yeah. So I did hear that we were looking at that stadium. Somebody was telling me that, that when Marine Land was moved up there, um, that they actually did have whale shows and stuff in that pond. So I don't know if they boxed out the area where the whales were, but I think that's what that big uh, that big set of bleachers that was facing the pond Oh, was. really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can't put whales on a pond, though. No, well, yeah. maybe they had dol- maybe they had dolphin shows or something out there. Oh, huh. They just so. they salted it up and... Maybe, maybe yeah. Bottom, looks, bottom water from the bay. Could could have been, yeah. Maybe they had it boxed in, or maybe it's just been because it looks like it's been abandoned over there. Mm, possibly. So, yeah, but yeah, some um, uh, Maria was telling me that they just, she went there right after Marine. What was it Africa? It was Marine Land in Africa, something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, when they, she said she went to the original one, and she said when they moved it up, they they moved all that, including those the the you know the water based animals. Uh-huh. So I would think that's the only place an orca is going to fit is in that that lake area there, even if they did box down and make it salt water. So do whales need? I guess whales are so whales don't need salt water though. They could be in fine and fresh water though too, can't they? I don't. I don't. Can they? They're air. They're they're air, they're air breathers. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's true. Yeah, they could probably go up a go up a freshwater lake or a freshwater river if they needed to. Anyway, I'm not I'm not a what was George Costanza in uh in uh uh Seinfeld. At that moment I felt like a marine biologist. So I, you probably never saw that episode. No. No, so, he, he saved a he saved a whale. So it looks like Marine World Africa USA um, opened up in Redwood Shores, California, mm-hmm. and was there from 1968 to 1986, and then moved up to Vallejo, 1986 to 1998. Um, so that's how long it took him from 86 to 98 to move everything. Well, no, um, it was it, it oh, moved in 86, and then to 98, and then 98 they sold out to Six Flags. Yeah, um, a few years before the park's acquisition by Six Flags. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's Six Flags got on their buying frenzy, and that's when they probably bought uh, the the one up in Seattle at the same time, and all those smaller parks. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Anyways, anyways, 
All right, Beach. Oh, fun facts. You know, I, I don't. I wonder if our audience appreciates our little crazy fun facts. Oh, a little side out in the weeds <laughs> notes. All right, Beach. Let's look at the Pac-12 and the polls. Um, so um, after this last weekend, Washington State is at number eight in the AP poll. Washington's at seventeen. Utah's at twenty-one. And Arizona State and Stanford are on the others receiving votes category. In the USA Today coaches poll, Washington State's number nine, Washington 17, Utah 19, and Arizona State is in the others receiving votes category. Now, Beach, last week in the playoff poll, Washington mm-hmm. State came in at number nine and Washington in at 25. I don't know if Washington State is going to have the momentum to be able to jump in that top four. Because they would need to uh, – you only got two games left? Uh, well, technically they could have three. Oh, with the Pac-12, Pac-12 championship. championship? yeah. Okay. But, yeah, but you still you're looking two games left. They'd have – they have to win out and they'd have to parry for some of those upper teams, to those beat, upper eight beat, teams beat to, the hell to out fall. Of each other, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and some of that will happen naturally. Cause yeah, so, I mean, they, they – well, it's because they only take the top four teams. Yeah. Well, for those – but they still have a shot at going to a, a New Year's Day bowl game. Okay. So, um, well, I, I, and so, like, right now in the Pac-12, um, so I guess technically Colorado is in the fifth place ahead of UCLA. Um, so they might not end up in, in last place in the south. Uh, but you got Utah at five and three. So they're only going to have one more game left. Uh-huh. Um, right? Eight. Yeah, so they're gonna have one more game left. It looks like they have Colorado this week, and then um, against BYU the week after. So that one won't matter for the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And right behind them is Arizona State, and they have Oregon this week, and then at Arizona the week after. But Arizona State is tied with Arizona, and they have. Washington State this week, and then Arizona State. So there's a little bit of movement that could go on down there. Um, yeah. In the north, uh, you got Washington State at six and one, but you know it's all depends on uh, Washington State and the Huskies. So this week the Huskies have the Beavs. So if the Huskies lose this week, Washington State and Washington State wins, then Washington State will win the north. So. If both of those teams win, if they go in six and, or seven and one, six and two, then the winner of that game will win the North. Gotcha. So, anyways. So some excitement for the Apple Cup this year. It very well could be. Very well could be. So, all right, Beach. Well, now it's time for your favorite segment of the week, the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the week award. Every week, we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this week, Beach, it's more, well, karma has finally caught up to a coach. Oh, do tell, Billy. Do tell. Well, Beach, as many jobs as Bobby Petrino has had, it's kind of easy to think that this this firing came and think, well, what else is new? But this is technically the first time Bobby Petrino has been fired for losing. And actually, not losing was the reason for all his mess-ups. People kept hiring him, right? Because he, he, he kept changing jobs, but he kept getting rehired. 
Now, Louisville might have fired him in 2003 for interviewing for the Auburn job that wasn't even open at the time. Yes, that actually okay. happened. But it kept him for three more seasons, and in 2006 it came within a second-half fade at Rutgers for playing for the BCS championship. And after that, he went on to the Atlanta Falcons. But the Falcons never got around to firing him, seeing as how he split for Arkansas after just 13 games. And BG like that. They lost on a Monday night. Tuesday, he said, he told his team, you know what, I'm, I'm going to resign. And he said, I'll be back to talk to everyone later. But never came back to, and talked to anyone face-to-face because on Wednesday of that week, he was hired by Arkansas. Wow. University of Arkansas. Now, Arkansas did fire him. But it wasn't for losing games. That was for falling off his motorcycle while accompanied by a woman who wasn't his wife. Now, that woman was... Maybe it was his niece. Well, the woman was um, a special friend Petrino had hired to work in the football office at Arkansas. Well, certain things need to be massaged and rubbed and... Well, and so after that, you might have thought, well, he's kind of toxic. Nobody's going to hire him. But, Beach, here's a little rule of thumb. You're only toxic if you lose too much. Mm-hmm. So Petrino, coming off 10 and 11 win seasons, was fired by Arkansas in April 2012. For giving a nice lady a ride on his motorcycle. There you go. But by 2013, he was Western Kentucky's head coach. Well, you know, maybe they have better motorcycles over there. The next year after that, he was back at Louisville, hired by the same athletic director who would hired him the first time. Well, he's got a charming personality. But that athletic director was actually shown the door last September in the wake of the Rick Pitino, Brian Bowen, Adidas revelations. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. With he, didn't have a girl on, he, he didn't have a girl on his motorcycle. No. No, but he okay. was he was involved in the whole Rick Pitino, Brian Bowen thing, so he got shaken out with that. So when he Which left, is, is still is that still going on, or is that ultimately done? It's still going on, but we'll see what happens. But now right. that left Petrino without his longtime sponsor. So this year, after getting waxed multiple times this season, mm-hmm. he's finally been canned. Of course. Louisville's still going to owe him $14 million in buyout. Wow. Yeah, isn't that nice? $14 million wish, to not work. I, yeah, I wish I could be fired by a major NCAA school for coach, for bad coaching. Yeah. That's like the best That's the best job in termination ever. Yeah. So Louisville is 2-8 and eight overall. And let's see. They lost this week to Syracuse 54-23. to 23. They lost to Clemson 77 to 16. They lost to Wake Forest 56 to 35. They lost to Georgia Tech 66 to 31. They lost to Alabama 51 to 14. I mean, they've just been getting waxed. So he finally got fired for losing. All righty. Yeah. So he's just, he's one of those coaches that I just do not like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple years ago, he did have the Louisville had a really great season. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it was because they had Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. Guy went on to win the Heisman. Amazing athlete. 
but he covered up for a lot of deficiencies that Louisville had. And once he was gone, Louisville has just sucked the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. So, and it's kind of good to see Petrino get what's coming to him. So, Bobby Petrino, you get this week's. Jackass of the week. All right. There you go. I, I just don't like the guy. I, like I couldn't tell, Billy. Couldn't tell. Don't like him at all. All right, Beach. It is now time for our musical interlude. Musical. And this week is um, Kyle's pick, even though we so, hate So Ky- Kyle's incompetent and able to pick between UCLA and ASU, but he can pick a song. There you go. So his email starts out, your mama says you don't. Your daddy says you won't, and I'm bowling up inside. Ain't no way I'm going to lose out this time. Oh, no. Tie Your Mother Down is the opening track to 1976's A Day at the Races. After its release, it was played by Queen on every subsequent tour. On several occasions in recent years, songwriter Brian May and Roger Taylor have played this song live with the Foo Fighters, including performances at Queen's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony in 2001. So what does the song mean? Brian May says, quote, I'll tell you the truth. I know what happened. Sometimes you get a little riff and you just put some words with it and then you don't even think about what they mean. Now I remember thinking, now this isn't a good enough title for the song. But everyone said, well, actual, it sounds okay. And so we kind of lyrically built it around that. That's the truth, folks. So he had a riff. He just kind of threw some words to it. And he was like, ah, that's not a good good title for a song. They're like, yeah, I think we can make something out of it. And that's what they did. It's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of fun. We like to think that songs are created with divine inspiration. And really what it is is a lot of alcohol and a good beat. Sometimes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes people hear stuff and it it really starts coming. Other times it's just like, yeah, that'll do. That'll kind of work. Mm -hmm. So, anyways. So, um, I I do enjoy this song. Oh, Beach. Now, before we listen to Tie Your Mother Down... Uh, mm-hmm. You have seen Bohemian Rhapsody. I went and saw it last week too. What'd you think? Totally enjoyed the movie. Um, I thought the script was lacking a little bit and yeah. the storyline could have been a lot deeper and maybe a little bit more accurate, but I thought the acting and the performances were fantastic. I thought the movie as the script as itself was entertaining and fun. Yeah. Uh, they played some great music. The actors were dead on to the the characters that they were the to the real life people that they were playing and i went out of there thoroughly enjoyed the movie i did too um first of all it's a it's a movie that's entire soundtrack is queen songs mm-hmm. played by queen so uh, you gotta love that um i think you're right with the actors i think they looked uncannily like the characters they were playing acted like the characters they were playing I thought that part was was spot on. Mm-hmm. I agree with you with the script. It was kind of shallow. Mm-hmm. It just didn't go very much in depth on things. And yeah, there was a lot of poetic license taken, uh, mm-hmm. liberty taken with some of the things, um, like making the the Live Aid concert kind of being Freddie going, you know, I've got AIDS and I want to do this and in actuality he didn't know he had AIDS until about two years later 
the band didn't know until about two years after that. So there was some some stuff in there that wasn't exactly accurate. It was kind of made to kind of give the movie a little bit more punch. Well, and I think you were telling me too, like they, they make him look like he saw this band, they fired the, the lead singer quit, quit and he jumps in and says, I'll be your lead singer. When actually he was roommates with these guys. Yeah, he'd, he'd known them for a while and was rooming with them. That lead singer did leave, and they were just kind of like, hey, Freddie, why don't you do it? And he was like, okay. So there was that. Um, you know, the the relationship with his fiance, ex-fiance, that's actually pretty <laughs> accurate. Um, now, meeting um, his you know eventual partner at the end, the Jim Hutton, and mm-hmm. he, well, he was working for Freddie and – you know, Freddie looked him up. It didn't happen like that. They met in the gay club. Freddie wanted to buy him a drink. Hutton said no. You know, saw him months later. He finally said, okay, fine. And they, you know, they hit up a friendship and the relationship after that. So it was a little less, uh, they made it a little more romantic, I think, than meeting up at a gay club. But they ended up did becoming longtime partners. So, And um, I also saw an interview, this was years ago, with Mary Austin, his ex-fiance, and in the movie where she said, you know, where he was kind of coming out to her going like, I think I'm bisexual. And, and she said, no, Freddie, you're gay. That's how she said it in that interview. That's how she said that that happened. He was coming wow. out to her that he might be bisexual. And she's like, no, I've known for a while. I, you're pretty much gay, I think. So, but he did have relationships with women. So, mm-hmm. and when he passed away, he left the house and a lot of stuff to Mary. Although in the movie they made Mary and Jim look like they kind of got along, and I don't think they really did in real life. Oh, really? Well, Freddie wanted Jim to be able to live in the house, although he gave the mm-hmm. house to Mary, mm-hmm. and she basically booted him out a few years later. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I was I was curious on this. My own, you know, the did did Jim end up getting AIDS? I don't. Bl- uh, um. What would we do without yeah. Google? Yeah, we, um, we wouldn't have a podcast. He, he did suffer from HIV. Um, it was lung cancer that took Hutton's life. He died at age of sixty on November on New Year's Day, twenty ten. Oh, okay. And he wasn't a, a a waiter, like they showed there in the movie. He was actually a hairdresser. Okay. Yeah. So, like I said, they met about eighteen months later. They crossed paths again. This time, the sparks flew. Well, and it makes you wonder if he got the, I mean, because with AIDS, you know, you know what they say, nobody ever dies of AIDS. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you die of, of a disease. Pneumonia because or your, something. Yeah. 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 Your immune system is compromised and you just can't do it. They were saying, I read an article um, on Freddie towards the end when he was still doing performances, he went from having a mustache to like a full beard uh-huh. because you get these like, uh, essentially it's skin cancer, these reddish, the Kinda. I can't remember what the term of it is. But uh-huh. these reddish blemishes on your skin, which is a form of skin cancer, and they just pop up everywhere, and they're very noticeable on typically somebody who's got advanced stages of HIV, because uh-huh. they're they're normally your body would fight those skin cancers off, and and ultimately it's so weak it can't. Uh-huh. But anyways, so I I do enjoy the movie. I think if you're a Queen fan, you'll enjoy the the music in the movie and, and mm-hmm. just the 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 recreations of like the Live Aid performance. And oh, that yeah, yeah. That, was that was fantastic. And the other thing, too, I thought they did a great job with the, the sets and the, the, mm-hmm. the just the feel for what it was during the 70s and early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with that. That was, that was fun. But you could also watch, you know, you could also watch old 
footage of Queen performing. You could watch the Live Aid performance and you'll actually get the actual Queen performance. Mm-hmm. And granted, what they made in the movie was spot on to actually what happened. Mm-hmm. So it's impressive that way, but you can also just watch the real thing. But I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the movie. So, anyways, so I think we both did. So, anyways, uh, without any more further ado, here is Tie Your Mother Down from Queen. <laughs>
do love that song, Beach. Me too. You know, and actually uh, next week when I pick, because I'm next week, aren't I, for the song? Correct. Yeah, so next week I actually, as it's a song that I'd never really heard before until I heard it on the the movie. Oh, really? And I'm like, and I'm like, damn, I kind of like that song. And so I did a little research on it. So that's probably going to be my song for next week. But we'll right we'll on. get to that next week. We worry about this week, <laughs> this week. We're about next week, next week. Okay, Sammy. Um, all right, it is now time to preview Pack Week Twelve. Pack Twelve, Week Twelve. So let me pull up Kyle's email here. There we now, go. What's 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 the score again at this point? Um, okay, after last week with Kyle's provisional win, he is at forty. Well. One, two, three, four. 43 out of uh, 77. You are at 47 out of 77. And I am at 49 out of 77. Okay. Okay. So up first, Beach, Utah at Colorado. You know, this is a toughie because Colorado sucks, but Utah's been gutted. Um, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go with Utah on this one because – I, I think Utah's got enough. I think Colorado's lost hope. And like you said, their coach is going to be fired, so they, they ain't playing for anything anymore. Yeah, so that, we're going to go for Utah. That's my guess. I, I think he's going to be fired. So uh, Kyle says, do we have a name for this rivalry yet? I guess Colorado really knew what they were talking about when they said the loss to the Beavs would keep them out of a bowl game. He's taking Utah. I, too, am taking Utah. All righty. I think Colorado, you say – Utah's been gutted. Well, they lost a couple players. I think Colorado got gutted on that loss to the Beavs. Mm. So up next, Beach, USC at UCLA. The game for the victory bell. Do I even need to say who I'm going to support on this one? You're taking USC? I'm sure not taking that no good cheating son of a bitch, Chip Kelly. Okay. Kyle said, on the bright side, there will be song girls. On the even brighter side... Chip Kelly loses another game. USC. I too am taking USC. All right. Uh, third game of the week. Uh, the big game for the Stanford Axe. Stanford at Cal. I'm going to take Stanford. He's taking Stanford. Kyle says, looks like it will be a big game. Cal defense comes through. Cal. I, too, am taking Cal. I just, I think, I've been saying their defense is really good, and I think they have enough to stop Stanford. I think I think Stanford's offense is going to be able to overcome it. That's my take. All right, two game, uh, three games left. Arizona at Washington State. I'm thinking Wazoo is going to be able to easily handle Arizona, okay. especially at home. All right, you're taking Washington State. I mean, it's going to be cold. You imagine those poor bastards from Arizona. They're going to be like shaking <laughs> the whole freezing, time. I know. <laughs> Arizona, Washington. Okay, Kyle says, dazzled by the bright lights and pulse of the big city of Pullman, Arizona <laughs> falters. He's taking the Cougs. I, too, am taking Washington State. You know, do they even give the Arizona, do, do they even assign jackets for those the players in Arizona? Oh, well, they know? probably do when they play in the Northwest in November. <laughs> All right. Uh, another another uh, desert team in the Northwest, Arizona State at Oregon. 
I think in Arizona State. Okay. Kyle says I think, I think I think Oregon's lost hope. All right. Well, uh, Arizona. Uh, Kyle says crazy win streak continues. Arizona State. I too am taking Arizona State. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Here I thought it was going to be the odd man out. No, no. I think uh, you know what's what's Oregon's record right now. They are what uh, six and four overall. And they are a missed field goal away from Washington, away from being five and five. Mm-hmm. They're not a great football team. So, all right, Beach. And last up, Oregon State at Washington. You know, I know we don't have a snowball's chance in hell, but I'm going to take the Beavs. Taking the Beavs. Kyle said, "Giant killers?" Question mark. Go Beavs. I too am taking the Beavs. Um, now we Beach, are such homers. Yeah, now Beach, we will not be going to this game. Or Oregon State's going up against five teams at once. Oh, I'm taking the beat. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Do all the other teams have machine guns and bazookas? Yeah. Nah, I'm still taking the beeves. <laughs> um, so uh we will not be traveling up to Seattle this weekend. That's a shame. I always I always like going up there, but yeah. the last years we've gone have not been good. No. No, no. We had a bunch of years in a row. We had like five years up there, um, like three in a row where the Beavs won, like five overall. It was great. And but, a couple of good tailgaters up there a couple like a decade or two ago. Yeah. But uh, but um, no, it'll, it'll be – we will be in California down at Disneyland. So we'll be keeping track of it uh, at the happiest place on earth. Because I believe yeah. the kickoff of the game is one thirty. Okay, and you'll be plugged in, so we'll be able to get the game. Yeah, through. so we'll be able to get the game through, uh, through, through uh, the, the magic of the internet. So hopefully, if anyone goes up there, they have a good time. I do enjoy Husky Stadium. Um, I think it's gorgeous out there. Mm-hmm. Um, great setting. It's going to be damn cold on Saturday, but it should be fun. So, anything to add to that, Beach? I got, I, I got uh, nothing to really add. Uh, I, it. These are some good games, I think. Really, yeah. Well, we're coming down. You know, actually, for for all the games that we've got, these are these should be some pretty exciting games. Yeah. Well, we're kind of coming down this because of the screwiness with Cal and Stanford wanting to play the Southern Cal schools every year. It kind of throws off rivalry week. We don't have mm-hmm. just one rival week week anymore. It doesn't work out schedule wise. Um, so it'll be rivalry week in the Northwest next week, but there's a lot of it this week down down there. Utah, Colorado, USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, so there should be some good games. All right, it is now time for Beej's rant of the week. Okay, so I really don't know how to rant about this. When I, I was looking at articles, and I came across this one, I like to keep it kind of close to home. <laughs> so this this one's regarding uh, a university called Rowan University over in uh, New Jersey. 
and they wrote up somebody wrote up an article. So they got a rule. I don't know if you call it a rule. They have a, a um, they call it a verbal policy on the garments after uh, after. So they have a garment policy that students, athletic students, should wear shirts while working out. I think it's good policy, you know, mm. but I like to wear a shirt. Some, you know, I just don't like, I don't need to not wear a shirt. We'll just say that way. Don't need to show people what I'm sporting. But anyway, so all these women, so somebody wrote an article and bitched about it, you know, that uh, these women are running around in sports bras, right? And so they're breaking the rules and, and the rules are sexist and whatnot. And I'm, I don't know what to think about this, but the whole damn thing pisses me off. Because I just the, – the question is, is sports bra a T-shirt? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If there's women athletes out there that are wearing T-shirts and no bras, I think there's more concern there <laughs> than a girl running around with a sports bra and no shirt. Yeah. Thoughts? No. Okay, so I... there, there's, my one, there's my one comment. You know, for Pete's sake, I think they're focused on the wrong thing here. You know? And honestly, the, the whole women need to work out in T-shirts thing – I think that's rule was probably made more for men than women because well, it's, it's a unisex rule The athletes need to wear t-shirts. Well, that okay? would be, that would be my question. Are they going to make the men wear t-shirts too? Yeah. So my, my thing is they're, they're bitching about the women because the women have been wearing sports bras and not t-shirts, but you know, the women are covered up. Well, but the women, you know, were, the, think, the men were also running bare chested. Well, were they? Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, uh, but I, I just, I don't know. I get so damn tired of authority anymore. You know, there's no damn reason. Okay, for one thing, have some pride in yourself. If you got a good-looking physique, great. Run out there, exercise, and show it off. But when people ogle you, don't bitch. You're doing it to yourself, right? Mm. Uh, and again, I'd rather have a woman wearing a bra and no T-shirt than a T-shirt and no bra, especially if they're jogging. There are certain things you just don't want to see. Yeah. You know, and plus, I'm sure it's uncomfortable as hell. You know, I mean, it's like I wouldn't want to run without underwear. It's not my thing. I chafe and things down there. So I'm sure women have similar issues. You know, appendages that flop around. You just don't want to see them. Yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, it just it just gets me. I mean, I don't know what to be angry with. You know, the 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 school, the the t-shirts. I it's just a whole damn thing. And somebody picks these fights too, and I think half of it is just to get people like me riled up, getting all pissed off. It's like, who the goddamn cares? It's freaking New Jersey. Let them do around. They probably, you know, there's one state in the union where they don't even have a rule for women to wear shirts. Did you know that? They can run around topless. Where was this? I, some state, I remember reading an article where there was these young kids. They were like teenagers and there was no rule on, on being topless in public. And so all these little girls were out there running around naked oh, yeah. and, or at least half naked, I should say. Uh -huh. And because they could. And it's like, you know, just because you could doesn't mean you should. And I also don't like people telling me what to do, though. So I'd be pissed off, too, having people tell me what to do, you know. But it is a verbal rule. It's not a hard rule. And what in the hell are they going to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Put a shirt on? Then fine. Buy me a new shirt. I'm a poor college kid. Oh, that's right. You can't give me a gift. That's against the rule. Well, I, I can. <laughs> I remember, you know. <clears throat> I can't remember if it was when I was going to Oregon State or it might have been when we had the Woodstocks on campus. 
I can remember there being protests and girls taking their tops off out on the quad to protest. What? They were protesting men being able to go shirtless when it was sunny. Mm-hmm. So they were, you know, taking their tops off. I was like, okay, but dudes are going to be looking at your boobs. Exactly. You can't poli- I mean, you can't police what people look at. No, not at all. You know, so, it's it's as much as they say, well, you know, men shouldn't. Well, whatever. Men are visual and they like to look at boobs. Well, I, we like boobs. Yeah. Well, even Freddie Mercury liked boobs. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, yeah, it's interesting, Beach. I, I was kind of reading up here as you were talking about. Yeah, it's a, it says out of the 15 Rowan University women cross country athletes. All of them believe running in the sports bras at practice should be allowed, Capone wrote. Even the girls who don't partake in shirtless runs at practice still believe the other members of the team should be permitted to wear whatever <laughs> they feel confident in. But again, the, the, the school's taking a rule on shirts. I think maybe they should take a rule more on bras. Well, well <laughs> and, and you, get, you get this stuff all the time where they said, you know, you can't. Like I said, you can't police somebody from from looking, and yeah, yeah well, that's that's the other thing. And, you know? and you, but, well, they bring up this thing like, well, you know, men need to take responsibility for their own behavior, and you know, women shouldn't be looked as women's bodies shouldn't be looked as sexual objects. And I, I, uh, well, they are sexual objects. Well, I would say more they're sexual <laughs> beings, right? Women well, are sexual, we're sexual beings. beings. <laughs> men are sexual beings, you know. And and in this culture, in this country, you know, boobs are seen as as, as sexual. Absolutely. The way God it is. bless them. Well, I'm just saying it's the way it is, and so I I don't think they're necessarily just see them as sex objects, but you know, but they're seeing them as sexual. Exactly. That's what you know. If if it wasn't, then Playboy would have never gotten a start. I, have I, I, never guess, been I guess the way I look at it is, <laughs> you know. You don't. If you want to wear a sports bra, that's fine. But understand, dudes are probably gonna be checking you out. Exactly. Just just like a girl who shows cleavage. Yeah. All the guys are staring at my boobs. Well, maybe because your shirt's down to your navel. Yeah. You know. You know. If you don't want guys staring at your and, boobs, don't show them. And, and if you do want to show them off, then just know you're gonna get ogled. Deal well, with it. I mean, that's no different than looking at a dude's legs or you know a dude's oh, arms. Yeah. Or his butt, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, well, it's interesting one, Beach. Not not too ranty yeah sorry not much week. of a rant tonight but just yeah. it just like I said I don't know what I I get so tired of people telling other people what to do too though yeah well, you know that's like, that's what kind like, of irritates my thing me. is if that's what you, if you want to wear that that's fine but understand I mean, if, if, yeah but if they want to pick on girls wearing running in 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 uh, I mean the the fact is it's not uncommon to see women jogging in sports bras you see in it all pub. the time yeah absolutely so it's not like these students are doing anything different than what's socially acceptable yeah. so I really don't care. Um, but, and again, I just, the whole thing of, of having to fight the university over stupid rules, you know, the, the students are the university. Yeah. You know, you, you got a bunch of people who are in charge that lay down these laws. It's like, dude, we're paying you. You're not paying us. Yeah, exactly. You know, I guess in the case of this, maybe they're getting scholarships, but still the fact of the matter is, you know, the students pay the way for the rules to be there. The rules should comply with the students. Not the not the rules to comply with the leadership to tell students what to do. Yeah, you know, it, it's that that's kind of what freedom and liberty are about. And if if you start running a 
a system of fascism in a college, what do you expect the students to pick up when they get out of the system? Mm. Well, we need to be told what to do because God knows we're too stupid to figure it out on our own. Mm. God, I hate people. <laughs> All right, Beach. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 118 of Illegal Participation. If you want to, uh, if you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, uh, a few ways to get in touch with us, Heinertailgator at gmail.com, at Heinertailgator on Twitter, Heinertailgator on Facebook. Remember to listen and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave a rating and review. You can also listen to us on the Stitcher Radio app on your iPhone or Android device. Beach. Billy. Thanks for being here. I had a good time down in Stanford last weekend. We will have a good time down in Disneyland this weekend. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm going to be relying on you to tell me what the hell's going on when you're listening to the radio while we're riding Space Mountain. Right. And next weekend, or next week, hopefully we will be talking about a Beaver win in Seattle. And we'll be getting ready for the final game of the 2018 season. I like Civil to think War. it was the final. I like, to, I like to call it the final tailgater yeah. of the 2018 season. True, true that, true that season. So until then, here's a great big Go Beavs. Good one, Beach.
I try. Sorry, I didn't have anything good on the rant, but okay. I, I don't need to rant every time. No, As, this whole thing just like I said, they write stupid things, and it's just like, why, why are we worried about women running in in sports, sports bras? bras? Yeah. You know, really, when you think about it, you know, sports bra without a shirt, you still got less movement there. Yeah. Well, you it's know? just like. It... But oh, but yeah. I'm with you. Women, I mean, sexual beings were sexual beings. I mean, he, you know, it's, it goes reminds me of uh, reminds me of uh, Jay and Silent Bob. You know, where it's like, dude, if you were a goat, you saw another goat. Would you, would you f- that goat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not one of us. He's a fucking goat. Our sheep. If you were a sheep and you saw another sheep, would you? You, would you want to fuck that sheep? Well, yeah. Get your ass out, bud. Fucking sheep. Um, Trying to think what else. Uh, I think that's it. I'll get this edited and uploaded tomorrow evening. <laughs>